0: This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed, your weekly hour of old-time radio mystery and crime. We begin this week with the adventures of Michael Shane and the murder trial of Jack Holmes, his story from May 21st, 1945. After that, it's Bulldog Drummond in Death on the Diamond, his story from September 17th, 1945.
1: The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. The people who make 76 gasoline and Triton Motor Oil, Union Oil Company, present. The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis. If some of you have wondered where Mike Shane has been during regular office hours the past few days, you'll find the answer on the front page of this evening's San Francisco papers. That's right, the murder trial of Jack Holmes. At this moment, which is along about 6.30, Phyllis Knight has one of those newspapers spread out on the desk before her. As she glares at the headlines, Mike is talking on the phone to Inspector Faraday. Yeah,
2: Faraday, yeah, I just got back from court. Didn't take the jury long to decide. Less than two hours, Mike. That
3: boy is no more guilty than I am. Sure, somebody killed the watchman, but not Jack Holmes. Now,
2: don't take it so hard, Mike. Just because his sweetheart hired you to investigate. All
3: right, all right. Maybe I'm sentimental about those two kids, but I say Jack Holmes isn't the killer type. And with a nice girl like Janet Miley, oh, Faraday, I let him down, and Janet was so certain I could help
2: him. Take it easy, Mike.
3: Yeah, sure, sure it was. Is that unusual? Why, I've cleared dozens of guys when it looked like... Janet, like... what's wrong? Hello. Hello, Mike. I'll talk to you later, Parody. The girl just walked in.
4: Janet, are you sick? You're white as a sheet. Here,
3: get her some water, honey, quick.
4: Yeah. Uh, Shame. Yes? Jackie. Yeah? Jackie.
3: Oh, here, here, sit down, honey. Let me help you. Oh, the
4: poor kid. And she's all unstrung about the birdie. No,
3: it's more than that. Her hands are like ice.
4: He didn't do it. I just discovered... What? The... What?
3: Janet, what are you trying to say, honey?
4: My room. Somebody went through.
3: Huh? Oh,
4: I oh, just... Here, here, Janet. Drink this water. Uh, Janet? 12, 15. I, I just discovered. I went and told him. I thought he would... Uh, uh, Mike. Mike, she's fainted. I'm going to call a doctor. Phyllis. Yeah?
3: Call Inspector Faraday. She's dead. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, Mike, I fixed it. We can go to Jack's cell now.
3: All right, all right. Now, remember, honey, not a word about Janet's death. Jack will go all to pieces and we'll learn nothing.
4: I know, I know, but it seems so hard-hearted. This
2: way, kids. Ah, uh-huh, boy. Sad business, huh? Eh? Guess the girl figured after that jury's verdict, she didn't have anything left to live for. Suicide?
3: Uh-uh. No, no. If Janet found something she thought would clear Jack, she certainly wouldn't take poison.
4: Unless she took the poison before she got the information that would clear Jack. Hmm?
3: No, then she would have called a doctor. If we can believe her dying words, she went first to some man, told him her discovery, then came to us.
2: She didn't even know she was poisoned.
4: All right, but who did it? We only knew what she was trying to tell us. Let her
2: pipe down. That's Jack's cell with a jailer standing outside. Oh, yes, sir. So now let me do most of the talking. All right, Morrissey, open it up. some yes.
4: Hello, Jack. How do you feel, Jack?
0: Top of the world. It's so cheering to be condemned to death for a crime you didn't commit. You had
2: a fair trial, my boy. The jury could decide only on the evidence presented.
0: I told them I left the warehouse that night way before it happened. At 12.15, I was at home. But no, they take the word of that cab driver.
2: He did pick you up at the warehouse door. And he said the clock in the drugstore read a quarter past twelve. I checked the clock myself the next day. It was an electric, right on time. So did I, Jack.
3: Unless the cab driver was lying and he seemed like an honest guy. I see. Even my loyal detective, Mr. Shane, says I'm guilty. Oh, Uh, no.
4: No, Jack, you don't understand. Go ahead.
3: Say I killed the watchman. Say I stole the diamonds. You never were working for Janet and me. Yes, we were, Jack, and we still are. That's why we're here. It's about Janet. She's not so good. What? What are you trying to say? She came to the office a little while ago and tried to tell us something, some new evidence she had found, but, well, she got sick. What's wrong? Is she all right? Where is she? Now, easy, son, easy. She's still at the office. She said a lot of mixed up things, Jack. Her room had been ransacked, something about a grocery that you weren't guilty, and she had discovered proof and told him so.
1: Him?
0: Who's him?
4: Oh, that's what we don't know. Did, a... Uh, does. Janet, have any close men friends she might go
0: to? Not that I know of. We've been engaged for almost a year now. She never mentioned any. Our boss, Mr. Phillips, is a good friend of both of us. Yes, yeah, he's
3: paying the fee on the case. She might have gone to him. Or maybe to his partner.
4: Mr. Russell?
0: Oh, no. Not that old. Man. Well, why come to me? Janet's the one to tell you.
3: Well, as we said, Jack, she's all busted up over this thing, and. She isn't well. Well, she can talk, can't she? she... Can she? Jack.
0: See it in your faces. Things happened to her.
1: What is it? Tell
0: me.
5: She's dead, isn't she?
3: We're awfully sorry, son. <laughs>
6: You went out to my home, Mr. Shane.
3: That's right, Mr. Phillips, and your wife told us you were working at
6: the office this evening. Yes, Russell and I spent so many days in court on the trial. We had to work evenings to keep up with the business. Now, really? I
4: wouldn't imagine there'd be such a turnover in the wholesale jewelry line.
6: You'd be surprised. Our firm cuts and mounts gems for at least half the better jewelry stores in the city. And the
2: robbery and loss of the diamonds didn't hurt your trade.
6: It would have, Inspector, except for the capture and tile of Jack Holmes. Of course, we're covered by insurance. If you'll step into the office.
0: Mr. Phillips. Mr. Phillips. Yes, Bower? May I see you a moment, sir? Uh,
6: Yes. Excuse me, please. Uh, Go right into the office.
4: Okay, sure. Thank you.
3: Well, good evening, Mr. Russell. Miss Russell. Good evening. I uh, believe you and
2: your sister know Inspector Faraday. Of course.
4: How are you, Inspector?
2: Fair enough, thanks. So the lady executives work nights around this company, too.
4: If she's the treasurer, she does. Mm
6: -hmm. I'm sorry to keep you waiting. And now, Mr. Shane, I suppose you'd like your fee now that nothing more can be done for poor
3: Jack. Well, I'd hardly bring Inspector Faraday along just to collect a check,
2: Mr. Phillips. (laughs) Well, I assume... The case is cracked wide open again. Janet Miley has just
7: died. Janet? She was poisoned.
4: She staggered into our office about an hour ago, gasped out a few words, and she died.
7: I was afraid of this. Remember, Anne, I said to you, if the jury brought in a guilty verdict... It wasn't suicide, Mr. Russell. I said she was
3: poisoned. Poisoned? Oh, he her dying words were that she'd found new evidence and that she had gone to
6: him, some man, and told him. Well, of course, she came to me, but she didn't say anything about evidence.
4: What time was this, Mr. Phillips?
6: About six o'clock. She was crying and hysterical. Begged me to help Jack to get a retrial or an appeal. I tried to comfort her. Excuse me, Mr. Phillips. But I thought you'd like these invoices. I'm very busy, Mr. Bower. Oh, yes, sir. I'll leave them here on the desk.
7: If Jim had found any new evidence, it'd hardly be likely to clear Jack Holmes. I'm pretty well convinced that young man is a born criminal.
4: Mr. Russell, that's unfair. Is
7: it? Look at the court testimony. Phillips and I found shortages in Jack's account books. We called him back to the office that night to explain he couldn't. Said he wanted to spend the night checking back through his records. Phillips and I left. Next thing we know, 1,300 carats worth of diamonds are missing... Night watchman's found dead. You never found the diamonds? Of course not. hid them.
4: I'm afraid it's true. The watchman's clock was smashed. It stopped at 12.10. The cab driver picked up Jack at 12.15.
6: And Mr. Bower, would you mind leaving the room? Oh, well, yes, sir. Oh. I'm sorry. He's new here. Bower is the nosiest secretary I've ever hired. Bauer.
4: Now I remember. Remember what? Well, I was in the outer office this evening... When Janet came out of this room, Bauer stopped her. I heard him say something about going out to a bar and having a little chat. I'm going to call him back. A bar, eh? Do you suppose the poison was slipped into a drink? Mr. Bauer! Oh, Mr.
2: Bauer, hold on. Stop! Inspector, what's wrong? He's He's running for the front door! He's 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 running!
1: We'll return to Michael Shane and his adventures in just a moment. Week in and week out, a lot of motorists go along wondering why their engines lack power without realizing that much of their trouble may be due to dirty or worn-out spark plugs. Yes, that's right. Defective or worn spark plugs are to blame for a great deal of poor engine performance. For example, engineering tests show that faulty spark plugs can waste one tankful of gasoline out of every ten, which not only cuts down your mileage, but causes your engine to lose power. So, friends, if it's been 3,000 miles or more since your spark plugs were checked, or if your engine has been losing power, it's a pretty safe bet that the Union Oil Minuteman Spark Plug Service can do you some good. Union Oil Spark Plug Inspection is scientifically performed. The condition of each plug is carefully measured on a special machine, and you can see the results for yourself. If your plugs are dirty, the Minuteman will clean and adjust them. Or if new plugs are indicated, he can quickly install them. The cost of this service is only a few cents per plug, and you'll soon save that in extra mileage. You'll find Union Oil Minuteman ready to serve you wherever you see the sign of the big orange and blue 76. (laughs) While Inspector Faraday hurries off in pursuit of the fleeing Secretary Bauer, Mike and Phyllis have set off on an errand of their own. And now in the hallway of a certain apartment house.
2: Oh,
1: here we are. 327.
4: Oh, Mike, that Secretary Bauer, he's tied into this somehow. Hmm. Snooping around to hear what we said and then running from the inspector?
3: Well, leave that problem to Faraday, Angel. Wow. Place looks all in order. And, and wait a minute, honey. For bed. It's not made up, it's cut to
4: pieces. Yeah, the stuffing pulled out of the mattress. What on earth were they looking for?
3: Let's go here. Let me see. Oh, the bathroom.
4: Mike, look at the medicine cabinet. And the floor. Uh huh.
3: Bottles and jars scattered all over the place.
4: Yeah, every one of them with its taco. Look at this cold cream jars. Here, the cream's been scooped out and dropped all over the basin.
3: Huh? Oh, that's an old trick, honey. Hiding gems in a woman's makeup.
4: Mike, you don't think Jet... That she had the diamonds. Uh, somebody thought so. Maybe she did. No. No,
3: that yes, that That's too dizzy. Well, oh, come on. Let's check the other room again. Here. Yeah, there's something worth looking into. A desk.
4: Yeah. Somebody else found it, too. Drawers yanked out. Everything's a mess.
3: I doubt if there's anything left for us, but I'll double-check. Still searching. No... No, just the usual stuff. Say, how about that wastebasket, honey?
4: How about it? Here. Put in my thumb and pulled out a plum. What a big girl am I.
3: Yeah. A check, two and a half. Mm -hmm. Pay to the order of Janet Miley. Two thousand dollars. And signed by... Well, I'll be a...
4: Anne Elizabeth Russell. I think this note went with it, Mike. It's the same handwriting.
3: Janet, take this and do as I say. That's all. Take this and do as I say.
4: Which apparently Janet did not. Two thousand dollars is a rather expensive no thanks.
3: Well, step this in your purse, Angel. We're about to go places and ask questions. You know,
4: if you ask me, Mr. Russell... What?
3: What? Please hit the door, quick. Snap off the lights. I'll flatten against the wall. I'll jump him when he comes in. No, the will All right, buddy. Come on, up with your hands. What? Let go of me, you dope.
2: What? Faraday. You? Yeah, Me? I thought you were chasing Bauer. Got away. I phoned Phillips for Bauer's home address. Turned out to be a gas station. Oh, a phony, eh? Well, we've got a lead. That may be better. Come on, let's go. Give the doorbell another push, Mike.
4: You know, I wish these people would stay put. First, we go to their homes, but they're working at the office. Now they're not at the office, they're home.
2: Somebody's coming now.
7: Yes? Oh, it's you again.
3: Don't strain your enthusiasm, Mr. Russell. May we come in? Uh, yes. Mr. Russell, we would like to talk to your sister.
7: Anne? Oh, well, she's upstairs. Will you ask her to come down, please? Yes, if you'll go into the living room. Anne? Oh, Anne! Will you come downstairs? May I ask what you people want? Oh, you'll hear it. Oh, by the way, sir, I believe your sister is treasurer of your company? Yes. is. For how long? Six or seven years. How long was Janet Miley with your firm? Mm, several years. She worked in the same department with Jack Holmes. Look here, I insist on knowing what this is about. Alfred? In here, Anne. Oh,
4: so you're all back.
7: Yes, these people say they want to talk to you, Anne. Phyllis, uh, give me that checking note. Ready and waiting. Miss Russell, would you look
3: at this note and check, please?
4: So Janet gave them to you. What did she tell
8: you? Right now,
3: I'm more interested in what you told her. What was Janet to do for your two thousand Two thousand... And what's the meaning of this?
4: I was merely trying to save you from yourself, brother dear. Save me? I've watched you for a long time, Alfred. What is... I saw the way you were mooning around Janet. I
7: don't know what you're talking about. Oh, don't
4: you? I know you propose marriage to the girl... And now with Jack out of the way, you thought she'd say yes. But I'm not going to have another woman in this organization. I have trouble enough as it is. That doesn't explain the $2,000, Miss Russell. Of course it does. I offered her the money to get out of town and not come back. And what
7: right had you... You're not running my life. Well, this puts a new slant on
2: everything. Could be that Russell wanted Jack out of the way so he could have a clear track with Janet. Mm
4: -hmm. The diamond robbery might have been conveniently arranged.
7: That's a lie.
4: If Miss Russell didn't want her brother to marry Janet and the girl wouldn't buy off, then perhaps Big Sister thought of another way out.
2: You mean the poison route, Phil?
4: How dare you? You, 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 <laughs> you mustn't. I know some naughty names, too. Oh, surely, Mr. Shane, you've got some brains. You don't believe such insane twaddle.
3: Are you referring to my colleagues, Miss Russell? Or to your story? Hello? It could be possible Who? you and your brother, Alfred, have been uh, putting on a little act for us.
7: I'll answer that remark, Mr. Shane, but right now, you're wanted on the phone. What? Oh, thanks. Hello?
0: Mr. Shane, Missus Power. Yeah. Got to see at once.
3: What? Where are you?
0: Listen. I have the real dope on the murder. Meet me at the old Dutch windmill in Golden Gate Park. What time? Let's see. It's just about ten o'clock. Ten thirty. Come alone.
1: Don't tell anybody.
2: Okay, Bauer. So it's Bauer. Where is he, Mike? Shh, quiet, Inspector.
3: Well, Mr. Russell, I, I think we'll be running along. If we have any more questions, we'll be back. I'm sure you will. No, no, please. Don't bother to see us to the door.
2: Mike, where are we going? Golden Gate Park. Ah oh, I to talk to
3: her
4: secretly. A great secret with somebody listening on the line. What? Who was listening? Miss Ann Russell on the extension phone right in the hall here. What time is it, Mike?
3: 1028. I'll keep back in the shadows with Faraday.
2: This guy Bauer certainly picked a romantic spot to meet the old Dutch windmill in the loneliest corner of the
4: park. Not to mention spooky. Look at those four huge veins above us, like the arms of a giant hovering over our heads. Oh,
3: Angel, your poetry picks the doggondest times to bust loose.
4: I can't help it. I'm nervous. What time is it now?
3: 1029.
2: I don't know. This may be a trap. Bauer may be after you,
4: Mike. I don't like anything about that bird. I don't like anything about tonight, period.
2: I
3: see a light through the bushes. Car's coming around the turn. Got your gun, Mike? I'm all set. Now keep back in the shadows.
4: This sounds like he's driving fast.
2: What was that? Sounded like a gun. By Grandma Faraday. Your nerves. Here he comes.
4: Mike, he's passing you. Mike? Hey, Bauer! Bauer! He's (laughs) skidding. Is he hurt? Is he can't, hurt badly?
3: Can't tell yet. Open his shirt, Michael. Oh, it's a waste of time, Inspector. Look at the back of his head. Oh,
2: guess I was right. We did hear a shot.
4: But who would do it? Who knew he was coming here to talk... Oh, that phone call.
2: Yeah, Ann Russell. Well, I guess there's no mystery about this killing.
3: Hey, Faraday, here's his wallet. Maybe it will answer a few things for us. Let's see. Hmm.
4: Well, what is it? What is it? I'm old enough to be told.
3: Mr. Bower wasn't any ordinary secretary. He was an insurance detective.
2: Planted in that office to find the missing diamonds.
4: Well, then maybe he ransacked Janet's apartment.
3: Yes, he did. It says so here in his pocket notebook. Searched girls' room, no evidence, no jewels. Janet went in to see Phillips. Something's up. Took her to bar. Told me to check on mistake Twelve fifteen. Twelve fifteen. Mike,
4: remember... Janet tried to tell us something about. That.
2: 1215. That was when Jack was picked up by the taxi driver. Yes, according to the clock in the drugstore window. Inspector,
3: let's telephone the coroner and then then what? Go take a good look at that clock. <laughs>
2: This is a waste of time, Mike. I checked that clock the day after the robbery. So
4: did we, Inspector, before the trial began. It's
2: an electric. It keeps perfect time. It couldn't be wrong.
4: Save your breath, pal. Mike's in another stubborn spell.
2: Oh, the drugstore's closed for the night. Yeah, but there's the clock. You can read it a hundred feet away. Neon hands, neon numerals. Uh, It
3: says 1110. What time have you got, Faraday? 1110.
2: Now are you satisfied? Jack came out of the jewelry place two doors north
3: of the drugstore. The taxi picked him up. The driver saw the clock and the window... The window.
4: What are you staring at, Mike?
3: The grocery store over there. Inspector, call a cab and get the driver who picked up Jack Holmes.
1: In just a moment, we'll return to Mike and Phyllis. A few minutes ago, we mentioned some of the advantages of Union Oil's spark plug service. As a featured part of this service, the Minutemen also inspects your ignition cables. These cables are the small, fine wires which deliver electricity to the spark plugs. Normally, they give little trouble. But if anything happens to them, if they get broken or frayed, or if the insulation is damaged, even brand new spark plugs won't help your driving. In other words, a faulty ignition cable will leak electricity. And by the time the charge gets to the spark plug, there isn't enough juice left for the rich, full spark needed for complete combustion. So for a careful check and double-check on your car's firepower, have a Union Oil Minuteman service your spark plugs and ignition cables. You'll get honest, accurate work, and you'll notice the increased power and snap from your engine as soon as you drive away you'll find Union Oil Minutemen ready to serve you wherever you see the sign of the big orange and blue 76. It's a few minutes past midnight. At a lonely street corner in the commercial district, Mike, Phyllis, and Inspector Faraday are talking to a scared little taxi driver. Look,
6: Phyllis, it's just like I said in court. I'm cruising along here, and I see this guy. The inspector and I know
3: that, Smitty. Now, we just want you to show us. Now, do exactly as you did that night. Yeah, cruise down the street and
2: pretend you're picking up Jack Holmes.
4: And we'll get in the back seat and ride along.
2: Okay, okay, climb in.
6: Here, darling, come here. Thank you. I turns this corner here, see? Yeah. And I'm in along when I spots him crossing the street. He waves at me, so I slows down. I stops right about here.
2: Jack was standing in the middle of the street. You opened the door. Which
6: one? The right one. He climbs in and gives me the address. Well, go ahead. Open the door, Smitty. See, ain't you got no imagination? Now, Smitty, when did you see the clock? Right now, when I leaned over to close the door. Everybody's in the winter, see? All lit up with neons. Okay, look at it. What time does
2: the clock say?
6: Ah, uh, gee, it's just like that night. 12.15.
2: Mike, you were right. He made the same mistake all over again.
3: Look at it again, Smitty. Look hard. Now, come on, look hard.
6: What do you mean, look hard? The clock says, hey, there's something screwy. The numbers, they're backwards.
3: Right, Smitty, right. You're not looking at the clock. You're looking at the reflection in the grocery store window. The
4: real clock is across the street in the drugstore.
3: The drugstore clock reads a quarter to 12, but the reflection looks like a quarter after 12. 30 minutes difference, Smitty.
6: Gee, I got a sworn.
2: Say, I did swear you ain't going to pinch me, are you? No, Smitty. Now, are you willing to do something for us?
6: Me? Yeah, sure. Anything, fellas.
2: All right. We're going to pick up three passengers, and one of them is the murderer.
4: Here we are, folks. Here's the office.
6: All right. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Shane, I doubt we'll find anything in here that the police haven't
3: already gone over. Well, they had the wrong slant, Mr. Phillips. You see, someone planned to steal those diamonds, but they needed a fall guy, Jack Holmes. So they faked the shortage in his account books. Then they called him that night, very indignant at discovering his dishonesty. Just a minute.
4: I was the one who found him out.
3: Shut up, man Jack said he wanted to check back through his records. He didn't leave till a quarter to twelve. About midnight, the thief came here and stole the diamonds. The night watchman surprised the thief and was killed.
4: Then the cab driver blundered about the drugstore clock, and Jack was really on the spot. For the killer, it was a beautiful out.
3: Janet discovered the mistake this afternoon. She told it to Bauer. He checked her story. When he discovered Janet was dead, he tried to tell me what Janet told him.
7: That's why he was killed. Oh, that's rubbish. Bauer ran away from the inspector. Why? He must have had a reason. He
2: had. He wasn't ready to talk yet. You see, there's one detail we didn't tell you people. Bower was a detective himself. He was?
3: Oh, one. oh, yes, yes. Hired by the insurance company to find those diamonds.
7: You mean that he was... What?
3: Do you think he found the diamonds? I'm sure he didn't. If we can step inside the office, Mr. Phillips, I'll show you why. Now, Bauer had a suspect, but it was the wrong one. He did know, however, that Jack was innocent. And uh, when he telephoned me, the same call you listened in on, Miss Russell, the killer knew he was trapped. Unless... I don't
4: believe it. I didn't hear anything on that phone.
3: Oh, yes, you did, Miss Russell. You ought to have recognized it. Now, perhaps you will now. Mr. Shane, stop this cat-and-mouse business. Please, please, that clock on the bookcase there, in five seconds, it's going to strike the hour. Now, listen. One,
7: two,
3: three... This is fantastic. Four. Well, distinctive chimes, aren't they? This is the same clock I heard strike while I was talking to Bauer on the phone. He called from this very room. There was only one man who knew where I was who could tell Bauer where to phone me. Mr. Phillips. Me? You're insane. Am I? Bauer told you Jack was innocent. You sat there in your chair and heard him say to meet me at the old Dutch windmill at 10.30. So you
2: killed him. He trusted the wrong person, just as Janet did. She came to you, told you about the drugstore clock. You had to stop her tongue. You poured her a drink from this water jug on your desk with poison in the glass.
3: you have anything to say to that, Mr. Phillips? No. No, oh, nothing. I thought not. All right, Inspector.
2: Oh, come on in the house, kids. Huh? Mrs. Faraday will be glad to fix us some eggs and coffee. Oh,
5: no,
3: no, no. It's pretty late, Paraday. I think we all better get to bed. Look at Phil here. She's almost asleep.
4: I am not. I was just thinking. How did you know, Mike, that the clock you heard over the phone was in Philip's office?
3: Oh, I heard it the first time we went there, dear. It just took me a little while to get it placed in my memory.
4: Oh. Clocks ran all through this case, didn't they? The watchman's clock stopped at 1210. The drugstore clock that convicted poor Jack. The office clock that caught the murderer.
3: Yeah, sometimes a clock can tell more than
2: the time of day.
4: Oh. Oh, Mike, that's corny. But mm-hmm. I knew you'd say it. I was just waiting for it. Well, I
2: guess Michael's entitled to a little corn off the cob tonight. <laughs> that was neat thinking, my boy. A clock reflected in the window and the hands reversed by 30 minutes. Doubt if I'd have thought of it
4: myself. Oh, Faraday, please, Mike's ego. Huh? Besides, I think I know why he's so leery of clocks lately. Yeah?
3: Oh, now listen here, honey, if you mean Go yes. Go on, please. Phil, let's have it. Well, no, Mike no.
4: had a date with me for six o'clock, and he was an hour late. No,
3: no, Angel, please, and no, no. And guess what
4: his alibi was? What? He thought he saw a clock that said 5 p.m. It was a grocery scale with five pounds of potatoes in it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: This is Mike Shane again. On June 4th, we come on the air one half hour earlier. Remember now, that's not next Monday night, but the Monday for following June 4th. <laughs>
1: Tune in again next week at 8.30 for another adventure with Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis, with Joe Forte as Inspector Faraday. Tonight's story was written by Richard DeGraff and based on the character created by Brett Halliday. Music was composed and directed by Bernard Katz. This is John Lang saying goodnight for the people who make 76 gasoline and Triton Motor Oil, Union Oil Company. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. Mm
9: With American adventure, here
10: is Bulldog Drummond. I call this story Death on the Diamond. Our adventure began on a hot late summer afternoon. Denny and I were out at the ballpark. The first of a crucial three-game series was being played between the Green Wings, the local team, and the visiting Blue Jays. The league pennant was at stake. Oh, my word, Captain Drummond, that was a stroke. Line drive, Denny. Look at that ball go. Oh, dear. That man out there stopped it. Isn't that a pity? Denny, that's our team, the Green Wings. Oh, is that good? Yes. Fortunately, that Blue Jay player was held to a single. But the Green Wings are still in trouble. The Blue Jays are the bases loaded now. Yes, they do look kind of heavy. Uh, Denny, when I say the bases are loaded, that means there's a Blue Jay player on each base. Oh, I see. Then I suppose we really are in trouble. Oh, well, it's not that hopeless. The Green Wings are taking Roberts out and putting Johnson in the pitch. Oh, is that good, sir? Let's hope so. Twister Johnson is the Green Wings' star pitcher. If you can get this last Blue Jay batter out, the day might be saved. Oh, then I'm tooting for Johnson, sir. Rooting, Denny. Oh, uh, very well, sir. Rooting. And here's the first pitch. <coughs> Oh, my word, that was quite a uh, line drive. Did you hear the crack of that bat, sir? Denny, that wasn't only the bat you heard. uh, What do you mean, sir? Oh, Captain Drummond, look, Johnson the pitcher. He's keeled over on his face. Come on, Denny, hurry. Uh, What's happened, sir? What's the matter with Johnson? The green wings are in real trouble now, Denny. Johnson's been shot. Mr. Johnson was a great guy. Why should anyone want to kill him? That's what I intend to find out, Mr. Benson. Tell me, you've managed the Green Wings for many years. Johnson was a member of your team for a long time. Six years. Did he have any enemies among the other players? He wasn't the kind of guy who had enemies. Uh, Captain Drummond, maybe there was a woman in the case. No, that's impossible. Johnson was happily married. Had a farm down in Pennsylvania. His wife and kids lived there. If the Green Wings lose their next game to the Blue Jays, Your tenant hopes are lost, right? Do you suppose that has anything to do with Johnson's murder? Yes, possibly, Denny. Did Johnson have any particular friend on the team? Oh, roommate Petey, the team mascot. Oh, uh, that's the little fellow who was in here before. Yes. Petey and Johnson were great pals. Between seasons, Johnson used to take Petey down to his farm. They were like brothers. Well, thank you, Mr. Benson. Uh, That'll be all for now. Captain Drummond, if there's anything I can do... Will you send Petey in now, please? That's all (sighs) It's a strange case, Captain Drummond. A pitcher shot to death in the presence of 30,000 baseball fans and and no clue, no apparent motive. Hmm. Strange indeed. Denny, of course. Uh, What is it, sir? Of course. Johnson was shot in the back. Well, is that of special significance? Yes, yes it is, Denny. Johnson was nicknamed Twister because of his unique style of pitching. After throwing the ball, he had the habit of turning his body for a brief moment completely away from the batter. Yes, certainly. That's it. But I don't follow you. We were completely off the track, Denny. That shot didn't come from the bleachers. It came directly from somewhere in the grandstand behind home place. The killer timed the shot with a crack of the bat. When the bullet struck, Johnson had whirled completely around. Oh, I see. But uh, Captain Drummond, how could a murderer in plain daylight in the midst of a crowd of thousands fire a gun undetected? Me in the first place, he would have had to take careful aim in order to assure accuracy. Uh, yes, yes, he certainly would, Denny.
5: Come in. Uh, I'm Petey. Mr. Benson said you wanted to see me.
10: Oh, yes. Denny, close the door. Uh, yes, sir. Sit down, Petey. Thanks. I hear you and Johnson were close friends.
5: That uh, Twister was the best pal a guy ever had. See, Captain Johnson, why did they kill him? Why? He, he was such a good guy.
10: Yes, yes, I know just how you feel.
5: No, nah, no. Nah, nobody can know how I feel. Nobody knew Twister like I did.
10: I asked to see you, Petey, just because you did know Johnson so well. And because you two were so fond of each other. Now, you can be of real, real help to us. That is, if you want to see Johnson's murderer brought to justice.
5: Yeah, you bet I do. I'd give anything, anything. Good. Well, then, uh, uh, what do you want me to do? J- just say the word.
10: First, I want you to keep everything I say to you and everything we do confidential. Why, sure. All right. Now, our first job is to find out just how Johnson's murder was accomplished. And then we'll continue from there. We'll have to work fast. The Green Wings play the Blue Jays in Centerville tomorrow.
5: Yeah, that's right. The team is making an 11.45 train tonight.
10: Well, that should give us enough time. Uh, Time for what? Uh, You'll see, Denny.
5: Petey, I want you
10: to meet Denny and me here at this ballpark at 9 tonight. Okay. In the Green Wings dugout. Right. At 9 in the dugout. Come on, Denny.
5: Uh, Where to, sir?
10: You and I are going out in search of a motive for murder.
9: Our story continues in just a moment. with thousands of fans as witnesses, a baseball pitcher has been mysteriously murdered. Captain Drummond and Denny have set out to solve this strange case. Now, in the dark of evening, they slowly walk along a deserted, unlit alley.
10: Oh, this alley, to say the least, sir, is eerie. We're perfectly safe, Denny. No, just the same. I'd be happy to get out of here. It's so dark. i it's admit the entrance to Monk Agnelli's place, far from inviting. However, Monk seems to like it this way the door. Monk's at home. Good evening, Monk. Huh? I said good evening, Monk.
5: Oh, oh, Captain Drummond, it's you. I didn't recognize you in the dark out here. Who's the guy with you?
10: This is Denny. Yes, good evening, sir. Hi. I want you to do me a favor, Monk. <laughs> Anything you say. You did me a time once. Monk don't forget his friends. Uh, what do you want? You get around among the boys. Huh? I'd like to find out about a wager, a bet. What kind of bet? Baseball. Huh? A lot of money on the pennant race this year, Monk? Plenty. Why? Any of the boys meddling in the league business?
5: Oh, no. Oh, they keep their hands off that stuff. They can't touch baseball. Game's as clean as a whistle. That's what I don't understand about this here
10: Johnson guy getting bumped off. What about bets against the Green wings winning the pennant? Any especially big one?
5: Uh, let's see. Ah, uh, yeah, one. The Rock laid off a pretty big one a couple of days ago. Why? Who placed that bet? Uh, I, uh, wouldn't know about that, Captain Johnson.
10: I see. Well, thanks, Monk. You've been of real help to me anyway. Any for a pal... Come on, Denny. Good night, Monk. Good night, Captain
5: Jones. So long,
10: fella. Uh, Good night, sir. Well, Denny, now we have our motive. Do you think that Monk person knows who made that wager? Most likely. There's no doubt in my mind now that Johnson was killed because someone was afraid he might have saved today's game for the Green Wings. The murderer was waiting developments during the play of the game and then struck at the crucial moment. Then Johnson's death wasn't planned beforehand? Correct. The way things stood, his fate was sealed the minute he stepped into the pitcher's box. Now, let me see. Ten to nine now. This will give me just about enough time. Time? Uh, for what, sir? I have a little errand to do, Denny. I want you to meet Petey in the ballpark as arranged. I may be a few minutes late. Uh, but frankly, sir, I'm puzzled. Uh, would you mind telling me what you and Petey and I are going to do in that stadium in the dark of night? Denny, we're going to that stadium in search of a clue. And perhaps if we're lucky study a method of murder. Oh, my word, it's
5: frightening in this stadium. I I wish Captain Drummond would hurry. Uh, what time is it now, Petey? It's, uh, it's 5 to 10. M- maybe he isn't coming. Oh, no, he'll be here. Oh well, well, I hope... P.D.? Hey, I thought you'd never get here.
10: Sorry to have kept you waiting. I was detained. But let's not lose any more time. You have a train to make, Petey. Yeah, yeah, we better hurry. All right, come with me.
5: Uh, where to now, sir?
10: Right over here to the pitcher's box.
5: Well, what do you expect to find there? Yes,
10: there's nothing there. We covered the entire field this afternoon. but we did, Denny. But let's see what we can find in the moonlight. Here we are. Now, you two stand back. I don't get it. Stand back, please.
5: Okay. Very well, sir.
10: Now, let's see. Twister Johnson was standing right about here when he started his throw. He raised his arm. Oh, Captain Drummond! Hey, he was shot! Captain Drummond!
8: Oh, no, Captain Drummond! Yeah, but, uh... Just stay back.
10: I'm all right. I'll crawl over to you. Oh, what,
8: what the... Well, hell? here,
10: sir. I'll help you out. I'm all right. Come on. We've got to work fast. Petey, you stay here. Keep your eyes open. If you see anyone, crawl out. We'll be up in the grandstand. Come on, Denny. Follow me. now, Denny. Quite a fall from this grandstand roof. Yes, I'll be quite happy to get my feet back on terra firma again. Well, this won't take long. Should be in this vicinity. There's the pitchers' box down in front of us. Uh, direct your searchlight over this way. Yes, sir. Captain Drummond. Yes. Well, Denny, there it is. A pistol. Quite a neat setup, too, hmm? It's braced in the rainpipe. And aimed straight for the pitchers' box. Uh, Look at this wire, sir. It's attached to the trigger. And these small electric batteries. Uh, And this wire leading away. Hmm. This weapon has been rigged up to fire by remote control. Well, Denny, now that we have our method of murder solved, the next step is to find our murderer. Uh, By tracing this wire to the source of control? No, no, no. That'll take too long. By the time we accomplish that, another murder might take place. Another murder? Yes. And it's up to us to forestall it. No, but how, sir? And, and where? Denny, I've reserved a compartment for us aboard the train that's taking the Green Wings to Centerville. <laughs> Try and prevent another murder. Captain yes, Drummond, what makes you so sure there'll be another murder? Because someone will stop at nothing to make certain that the Green Wings will lose the league penetrate. Mr. Benson, your team is up against a vicious, invisible killer. And perhaps we should call tomorrow's game off. I certainly don't want today's strike to be repeated. Oh, I'm afraid that'd let the killer off with a successful murder. Besides, I believe you owe tomorrow's game to thousands of baseball fans. Yes, I guess you're right. We'll play tomorrow as planned. Good. Who's pitching tomorrow's game? Ted Wilson, why? He's probably the most likely victim. Right, Denny. Where's Wilson now? I just left him and his wife Rita a few minutes ago. They're in their compartment, number nine. Two doors down from here. Well, Denny and I would like to have a little talk with Ted Wilson. We'll see you later. I'll be waiting here. You know, I shouldn't like to be in Mr. Wilson's shoes tomorrow. It isn't an enviable position, Denny. Now, be careful what you say. Here's his compartment, number nine. Yes. Mrs. Wilson? Yes. I'm Captain Drummond.
8: Oh, Captain Drummond, I'm so glad to hear.
10: Uh, Denny and I would like to have a talk with your husband.
8: Uh, come in, please. Uh, Ted, it's Captain Drummond.
10: Good evening, Mr. Wilson. <coughs> Hello, Drummond. Uh, you know Denny, Wilson? Yes, yeah, yeah, Captain, yeah. Captain Drummond.
8: Ted is going to pitch tomorrow's game. So I hear. Please persuade him not to. Please, I begged him, but he won't listen to me. Cut it out, Raina. Captain Drummond, he'll be killed just like Johnson. I
10: know it, I know I it. I cut it. Don't worry, Mrs. Wilson, nothing's going to happen to your husband. Wilson, we're here to help you in every way possible. I don't need help. Nothing's going to happen to me. Now, get out of here. Let me alone, all of you. Don't
8: mind, Ted, gentlemen. He's upset. Yes, we
10: understand. get out. Come on, Denny.
8: Uh, just a minute, Captain Drummond. I'll be right back, Ted. I'll get I'll only be a minute here. He's very upset. He's not himself. Captain Drummond, I must talk to you.
10: Yes, of course.
8: Captain Drummond, I'm nearly frantic. I'm so afraid for Ted. If anything should happen to him, I don't know what I'd do. I love him so, Captain Gummy. Something has got to be done. No, no,
10: no, Mrs. Wilson. Every precaution will be taken to protect your husband's life.
8: But can't they postpone the game until they show sure the murderer is caught?
10: Uh, no, I'm afraid not. Now, my advice to you is to go back to your compartment and get a good night's sleep.
8: But tomorrow...
10: We'll take care of that when it comes. Now, go ahead.
8: All right. Good
10: night. Good night, Mrs. Wilson. Good night. And don't worry. Come on, Denny. I want to have a few more words with Benson before we turn in. You know, sir, I feel sorry for Mrs. Wilson. Living in terror that way, and fearful that death will... <laughs>
8: Jenny, Jenny, follow me. Oh, look, it's
10: Mrs. Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Wilson,
8: what? Oh. Jenny, look in that compartment. Oh,
10: sir. <laughs> but but Hudson, Wilson has been murdered, Mr. Benson. stabbed to death. <laughs> Captain Drummond, do you suppose there'll be another murder today in this baseball park? Well, it's more than likely there'll be an attempted one. Oh, dear, I hope we can intercept it. Well, the game's to begin. Now, there go the Blue Jays out of the field. You know, sir, I still can't comprehend how Wilson's murder was accomplished. He wasn't alone in his compartment for more than a few minutes. Obviously, the murderer used split second timing. But if he entered the compartment from the outside, I would surely have seen him. All during our conversation with Mrs. Wilson in the train corridor, I was facing in that direction. Yes, I know. And the compartment window was locked from the inside. Right. Then how was it accomplished? Frankly, Denny, I'm not sure. But since last night, several things have occurred to me. Denny, I think we slipped up. Yes, how far? I Oh, the game's on. There's Reynolds, at bat for the Green Wings. Now, anything may happen, Denny. Keep your eyes open. Oh, I will, sir. You know, Captain Drummond, uh, I admire the spirit of those baseball players in that game today. Uh, that's real courage. And sportsmanship. Come what may, they're not letting their fans down. My word, Reynolds. Oh, look. Reynolds certainly struck that ball. Looks like a horror for the Green wings. Yes, yes, it is. There it goes into the left field stand. Oh. Captain Joe, look, Reynolds toppled over out there. Come on. Out on the diamond. Oh, that, that killer is stuck again. Hurry, right, this way. Reynolds is lying so still we're too late. That's what we'll
8: it. There, there's Benson. Uh, pardon me. Let me through, please. Pardon me. All right, men.
10: Back to the dugout. Reynolds will be all right. The game will continue in ten minutes. Reynolds isn't dead, sir. Here. A couple of you fellows. I'll carry them off. Okay. Easy, easy now. Take him to the side gate. There'll be an ambulance there. Mr. Benson, will he live? Oh, the doc said he'll be okay. We're taking him to a hospital. He certainly had a horrible scare, Captain Drummond. They all thought it was another one of those murders. Just what happened to Reynolds? And the doc said it was heat prostration. Heat prostration? That's what the doc said. Probably aggravated by the jitters. The whole team done including me. Thank goodness it isn't what we thought. Heat prostration. Huh? Uh, nothing, nothing. Well, I guess I'll be getting back to the dugout. You coming? Uh, we'll be there shortly. Okay. Come on, Denny. Now, where to now, sir? The Green Wing locker room. Locker room? Did you notice, Reynolds, Denny? Well, not too closely, sir. Heat prostration is commonly accompanied by excess perspiration. Reynolds wasn't aspiring at all. Was well, that strange? Yes, Denny. A strange attempt at murder. <laughs>
9: of our story in just a moment. have plagued the Green Wings baseball team. In pursuit of a solution to the identity of the mysterious killer, Drummond and Denny alone searched the Green Wings locker room.
10: Denny? Uh, Yes, Captain Drummond? Look here. I found it in this locker. But, sir, that's simply a bottle of rubbish alcohol. Plainly labeled. Does this smell like alcohol to you, Denny? Well, no, it doesn't, sir. It's a poison. Poison? Reynolds didn't faint from prostration. He was almost asphyxiated. This liquid with which he was rubbed down before he went out on the field becomes effective as the body generates heat and stops perspiration. Oh, what an insidious plan. Whose locker is this? Daniels, the pitcher's. Uh, Then he's the murderer. No, Denny, no. That's what someone would like us to believe. This bottle was planted here for that purpose. Come on, we're wasting precious time talking. We've got to get out on that ball field before the game resumes. For all we know, the entire team may have been rubbed down with this poison. Reynolds was lucky. It might be fatal to the next victim. Down, Denny. Yes, sir. Stay down. He's the killer. Quick, around this locker.
8: It's Captain Drummond.
10: I'm all right. That was close. Yeah. You can only see who it is. We'll soon find out. We're lucky enough to get out of here alive. Now, listen, Denny. We'll try to make it to the door. This time, follow right after We're going to make a dash to that next line of lockers. Ready? Yes, I'm ready. Let's go we've made it so far. What now? Wait, wait. But we'd better hurry. Denny, I believe our mysterious assailant has run out of ammunition. Quick now, follow me to the door. Now, now, Denny. We've caught the killer in his own trap. It's someplace in this locker room. The windows are barred, and this door is the only exit. What was that, sir? Uh, the murderer closing the door of doom on himself. But, sir, I hadn't... Hadn't we better get out on the field before the game commences? won't be necessary now. Gunshots solved solved that problem for us. Captain What What's you shooting about? What happened? For a while, Mr. Benson, Denny and I were playing clay pigeons for the killer. The killer? Where is he? In this locker room. Here? Yes. I'll introduce you to him in a moment. First order your men to the showers immediately. What? Reynolds was rubbed down with a poison substituted for alcohol. The same thing may have been done to your other players. And tell them to walk slowly, not exert themselves. Uh, Joe, quick, order the boys for the showers. to okay. take it easy. Now, Captain Drummond, what about the killer? Follow me. Say, hey, what is this? Captain Drummond, why are you opening those locker doors? What is this, a game of hide-and-seek? Yes, in a fashion. What do you expect to find in those lockers? Benson, I promised to introduce you to the killer. Yes, but the... Uh, and... There you are, Mr. Benson. As I told you, in a locker. Petey. Yes, it's Petey, sir. All right, come out. No tricks. Okay. You almost got away with it, didn't you, Petey?
5: Yeah, and I would have if you two didn't stick your busy noses in.
10: Sorry, but murder is our business. I can't believe it. I. And this isn't all, Mr. Benson. What do you mean? There's another surprise coming now. Oh, uh, the commissioner told me to deliver her to you personally, Captain Drummond. Rita, Rita Wilson. My thanks to the commissioner, officer. Yeah, we nabbed her just as she was getting on the train.
5: Rita, you got me into this mess. You I
8: dirty don't know t- what this is all about. I demand to see
10: a lawyer. Why are you Shut up, both of you. Wilson, I doubt if a lawyer will be able to do you any good in the state's case against you and Petey for murder. <laughs> so you see, Denny. We slipped up when we failed to inspect that large trunk in the Wilson's train compartment. Petey was hiding in that trunk. For a while, his small stature was an advantage to him in the game of murder. But he overplayed that advantage when he hid in the locker. Then he and Rita Wilson were in cahoots all the time? Yes, along with Ted Wilson. Ted Wilson? But Petey killed him? Why? Because he balked at murder. He was probably willing enough to throw a game here and there to make sure that he and Rita and Petey won the huge wager they'd made. But when it came to killing, he declared himself out. Then his partners in crime became wary of him. They decided it was best to eliminate Ted and split the winnings two ways. Well, anyway, sir, now Rita and Petey will pay for their horrible deeds. Yes, Denny, there's no doubt about it. When justice has three strikes on you, you're out. <laughs> to tell us about next week's story. An automobile going at terrific speed crashes into a false barricade on a highway, and the driver is killed. Apparently, by a knife hurled from the roadside. We encounter two more murdered people. One, a girl who has been strangled. And Denny and I discover that enemy agents are involved in a plot to jeopardize our national security. I call the story... Escape into death. Be sure to listen, won't you? And so into the night walks Bulldog Drummond, seeking new adventure and excitement.
5: The next adventure with Bulldog Drummond will be heard over most of these stations next week at the same time. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
0: That's Case Closed for this week. You can find more from Michael Shane, Bulldog, Drummond, past episodes of Case Closed, alongside thousands of other old-time radio shows at relicradio.com. You'll find our shoutcast stream up and running there as well. And, as always, if you'd like to help support this and all of the Relic Radio shows, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes it all happen. Thanks to those who have. Thanks for joining me today. I'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Case Closed.